Before we start today's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Zencaster, which is a podcaster's best friend. Trust me when I tell you this, Zencaster is like the Shopify for podcasters. It's all you need to get up and running as a podcaster. And the best thing about Zencaster is that you get so much stuff for free. If you are planning to check out the platform, then please show your support for the Founder Thesis podcast by using this link, zen.ai slash Founder Thesis. That's zen.ai slash Founder Thesis. Hi, my name is Dhruv Joshi, and I'm uh, the one of the founders of uh, Cloud Physician Healthcare, which is a healthcare solution company that addresses shortage of expertise in hospitals. Take a minute, Dhruv Joshi. Ready? ایکسپینسو The ICU team needs a combination of highly specialized doctors. This is the reason why often tier 2 hospitals will turn away patients because they are simply not equipped to run an ICU. But just as technology has solved so many access problems, this is also something that can be solved with technology. And this is the key insight that is driving Dr. Dhruv Soshi, co-founder of Cloud Physician. Dr. Zoshi is among the most elite doctors in the world in the intensive care space with his last stint at the prestigious Cleveland Clinic in the US before deciding to come back to India to fix the deep healthcare challenges he saw. Cloud Physician offers hospitals at any location a plug-and-play solution to start running an efficient ICU by using a combination of IoT, cloud technology and machine learning. and they have an ambitious roadmap to build a cloud operating system for hospitals that would allow any hospital anywhere to offer best in class patient outcomes here's dr zoshi telling akshay dat about the journey of building cloud physician it just seemed to me at that point in time that i had been you know along with dilip who was my colleague in cleveland we had been looking at this space of uh, you know healthcare delivery the challenges associated with healthcare delivery um how technology can be an enabler to help solve some of these problems and uh, and it just seemed to, to us at that time that you know this is the way that healthcare delivery needs to evolve because the conventional forms are are simply not cutting it and um, and and if we were to sort of get into this and and be at the forefront of leading some of this transformation it would allow us the opportunity to to move the needle significantly more than just taking up a conventional sort of position in a hospital and uh, it was that sort of uh, you know motivation that that led us moving back to india and and going down the route that we eventually took So two things I want to ask here. Uh, first is when you said you wanted more. What do you mean by more? Was it more in terms of uh, uh, being able to do more, being able to have more control over what you do, or wh- I mean, you know, what, what do you mean by more? I think uh, you know. Again, as just speaking for me personally, I, I think you need to sort of uh, be able to make uh, you know meaning of what you do, and. Uh, and uh just just doing what's already there 
um, in a very conventional manner, um, didn't uh, appeal to me as a a, a very imp- uh, you know a, 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 a very impactful thing or or sort of uh, a thing to do at that point. And so when I say uh, doing more, it was just uh, the fact that w- we had already identified that there are problems in the way that this healthcare delivery system works. And either we can just sort of go into it as is and, and try and just, you know, maybe make some very sort of incremental changes in wherever we are, or uh, we take a different path and, and go at it in a completely different manner and make a much bigger sort of impact. And and I think that was when when do more. Uh, I think that's what uh, it was that you know more impact. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. So, uh, what were the problems you identified? Like you know, you told me that you saw that the way it's happening currently is not good enough. And are you talking of the U.S. or India? Both. I had seen the healthcare delivery system in India, and I had seen the healthcare delivery system in the United States, and uh, and in both. You have this, um, you know, the 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 ability to deliver high quality care is is limited to a few places, right? And uh, what it takes for those few places to deliver that high quality care is to to put in place uh, a lot of people with a lot of expertise and a lot of uh, processes in place uh, over a long period of time to be able to. Uh, deliver that high quality care right so whether you have like where i was in the us there was i was at the cleveland clinic one of the premier institutions in the united states or whether you're you know in in a large corporate hospital in india or you know an ames or or something like that or or even the 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 college and and hospital i was at bangalore which was st john's um Again, what 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 you needed to be able to provide this high quality care was was this model where, you know, you you put together in a small confined space, a relatively confined space, a lot of people, you know, a lot of processes, a lot of expertise, and 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 that is limited because that that location can only cater to so many people, right? And um, and as a result, you have these large large number of uh, institutions, whether they are in India or in or in the United States that don't have that amount of expertise concentrated in one place where you're not able to deliver the, the quality of care that people deserve. And and uh, considering that we were in, at least when this was happening in the, you know, in the 2015, 2016 uh, years, uh, there had been significant advances in technology that we had seen in multiple other industries that had already taken place, you know, that were uh, enabling those industries to be more efficient, to be better, to ensure a better customer experience for the people that were uh, in those two. uh, And if you were to consider, you know, an equivalent to uh, an airlines industry where safety was much better and, and the people using that system were much safer due to the how technology was being used it was also clear that you know healthcare had simply not adopted technology to the extent that it could to to enable that the the system to be more robust to be more accessible to people because you had connectivity more and more now and uh, and to make a more streamlined system that 
that that ensured access and ensured quality to people and so so that was where uh, that was what we were looking at when we looked at the healthcare system so when you're saying uh, quality of care you're referring to intensive care specifically or like you know what are you referring to when you say that to provide high quality of care is expensive and takes a long time to build yes i'm i'm talking about uh, intensive care which is the domain that i uh, you know uh, specialized in uh, and and also other forms of uh, uh, so, sort of higher acuity care where where patients are are sicker right so so the other thing that was becoming clear was that uh, hospitals should primarily be limited to higher acuity care when i say higher acuity care i'm talking about care that that requires you know a higher amount of monitoring and a higher amount of expertise and closer uh, you know so that's where hospitals come in place uh, again with the advent of technology we are finding that perhaps lower acuity care maybe does not even need uh, a hospital you know perhaps could be done at home you, you can access people at home and be, if if you just got a minor cold and cough you probably should not be going to a hospital you you should be able to access the care that you need wherever you are you know even if it's not a hospital and then hospitals should be limited to higher acuity care and critical care and surgeries and and similar things like that procedure procedure related care um so and so that was uh, 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 so i think uh, in terms of um, access to quality the, the the problem is across the board but our domain expertise being in that we were looking more at the higher acuity care space that we wanted to address Mm-hmm. okay got it got it so uh, then what next like uh, you identified that there is a problem but, uh, what did you i mean how did you proceed in building a solution yeah so uh, so identifying the problem then uh, identifying where you want to solve the problem again you know it uh, uh, i i think we we realized that the the problem statement not only existed in the united states and in india both but perhaps existed at a far greater scale in india and uh, and the 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 paucity of solutions was also far greater in india and uh, so it, it seemed like you know that would be the place to start and in india is reflective of also uh, i i think a, a, most of the developing world where you again have a similar problem statement and and it bears a lot of resemblance to to many other countries that that are in in that developing world profile and so that's what made us move back to india um uh, again we uh, uh, both dilip my co-founder and i had had already uh, experience with uh, how technology was being utilized to solve some of these these problems in the united states uh, now the solution could not be the same because hospitals in india are very different from hospitals in the united states uh, people using are very different in india than in the united states so so we knew that the solution would have to be different and would need to be specific to the setting that that we are uh, going to be uh, solving the problem in and uh, and uh, so so that's how we started then uh, you know architecting the solution so in fact we moved back to india and and we spent a, a good year year and a half uh, just traveling to hospitals um, everywhere you know so all the way from uh, large hospitals in in urban centers like bangalore to to tier 2 to tier 3 north india east india you know west india uh, just going there 
you know, talking to the doctors, talking to the nurses, seeing the hospital settings, um, just just deeply understanding what the problem statement is a little bit more. Uh, at a high level, we already knew what the problem statement was, but in, as we build a solution and what would work in these places, we wanted to understand the exact pain points that the nurses and doctors would have here. And so we spent a fair bit of time doing that. And then gradually it was like, okay, you know, we can keep doing this uh, or we just sort of get started somewhere and, and then, you know, iterate and iterate and, and keep problem solving along the way. And so then we just decided to get started and, and do a pilot at a hospital that we identified in, uh, in Mysore, which is, you know, uh, a few hours from Bangalore. And it was a, it was a small hospital uh, and it was a, uh, the, the main doctor there was a surgeon, a very well-trained surgeon um, who was very keen on, on you know, uh, it was a cancer hospital. So he was doing surgeries for cancer patients, but he had a big problem statement in that, uh, you know, whenever he did any complicated surgery or something that the patient needed, you know, to be in an ICU or needed close monitoring, he was having challenges there. Uh, because he didn't have the expertise. So he had the expertise of doing the cancer surgery, but but managing the patient in the ICU was not his expertise. Uh, and uh, as a result, he would either avoid doing some of the more complicated surgeries in that hospital or, you know, um, try to to minimize doing that. And so we we approached him, we talked to him, we were like, you know, just assume that uh, Dilip and I are part of your team helping you manage the ICU. The only thing is that we're not here physically. We're going to be in in Bangalore, right? And we're available 24-7 and we'll, uh, you just do your thing and we will help you manage these patients in the ICU. And he was like, sure, let's try it. And uh, we tried it for three months. Uh, we were, uh, he found it extremely helpful. Um you know, he was able to do more complicated surgeries. He was able to do more complex surgeries at nighttime. If there were issues, you know, previously he, he sort of wouldn't sleep because he wouldn't know like, Hey, is something going to happen or not? Uh, and so he's, he'd sort of come in fresh in the morning, uh, uh, earlier, if he was doing a slightly more complicated surgery, he would do it early in the morning so that he could finish it in the afternoon so that, you know, if he did it in the evening, he was afraid what would happen at night. So now he started doing multiple surgeries in the day, uh, you know. Uh, so so all of that, the entire sort of machinery of the hospital uh, sort of picked up his his practice and started doing more surgeries. The hospital started seeing more, more patients as well uh, because their ability to manage these more sicker patients and higher acuity patients uh, increase. They were able to build on more services uh, along with this. You know, they were able to, now that they had a steady flow of these patients coming in, they were able to invest in their laboratory, in, you know, uh, in, in other ancillary, in their radiology, bring in uh, higher, uh, uh, just keep building more and more services for, for the, for the clientele. And uh, so that was the pilot. And then, then eventually with that pilot being that successful, then we, uh, of course, that became a, a partner hospital and a customer hospital of ours. Uh, and that was our first hospital. And then gradually we were like, okay, this this can work. We started building a team. 
If you like to hear stories of founders, then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion-dollar businesses. Just search for the Founder Thesis Podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify, Ghana, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to the show. Before we talk of that uh, scaling beyond that first one, um, I want to like go down into the weeds and uh, I mean you know we've talked like generalities that uh, critical care is expensive, time consuming, needs to be fixed. But you know, can you give me examples? What were the things in that hospital that they did not have? What what was your uh, specific ways to solve it? So. uh the hospital and, and uh, so so firstly there's a shortage of uh, uh intensivists intensivists are super specialist doctors uh who have specialized in the management of critically ill patients or patients who are admitted to the icu right so that's my specialty so there's a general shortage of such doctors uh, across the country uh and uh, they are primarily concentrated in you know larger centers uh in metro city, delhi right? bombay bangalore yeah yeah similar and even within those cities to the more larger centers because it's only those centers where these super specialists end up going and working and also uh only those centers have the scale to be able to employ an entire team of these doctors that can be available 24/7 right so so in this hospital same problem you know there's a surgeon and uh, there's an anesthetist who who basically um uh, is that the next best intensivist you could call it okay uh, since there isn't one uh, and um, and so uh, so so what happens is that the surgeon does the, and there's an icu because you need it you're doing these surgeries complex surgery the patient needs to go to the icu be monitored maybe there for a few days may sometimes be on a ventilator for a few days etc right so So the way that the hospital functions is that the surgeon and the anesthetist are managing the ICU in the absence of this intensivist, right? And uh, and so that's where the problems start because that's where the the surgeon is like, hey, I can't do a very complex surgery here because I need to manage this guy in the ICU post that, and uh, that's. not in the best interest of the patient because i i'm going to run into problems that are going to be beyond what i can manage or beyond what the anesthetist can manage as well right so the patient needs to be on a ventilator for a couple of days and has some trouble there i can't do anything that's not my expertise that's not my domain so uh, icu management is like pretty complex yes uh, icu management is so think about icu as the place where the sickest patients go right so that's where in any hospital your sickest patients are admitted to the icu uh because uh, those are the patients that uh, have the you know organ failure whichever organ it could be your lung failure so you're on a ventilator right it could be a heart failure so you're on some support machines to keep your blood pressure up it could be a brain failure you have a stroke or you're unconscious or something like that and so you need uh you know support it could be your liver failure or uh, uh you know uh, or it could be a problem with your blood you are bleeding uncontrollably so these are all failures of some uh, organ system of your body and uh, when it gets to a point where it is extremely severe uh, you need to be in an icu right and and so intensivists are those doctors that have specialized in treating this organ failure 
when it reaches that extreme, right? So if you just have a cold and a cough, you have a general physician that can address it. But if you have a cold and a cough that then progresses to a pneumonia, your oxygen levels go down and the pneumonia gets much worse to the point where you need to be on a ventilator because you cannot sustain your breathing by yourself, then you need to be in an ICU and that's where an intensivist comes in, that a general physician is not trained to to do that, right? So, uh, so that's an example in the case of a lung failure. But similar to that, every organ system, so if your kidneys fail and, you know, you... Uh, you need to be on dialysis continuously and you need to be closely monitored. The intensivist comes in because he's the one who's trained to manage all of these organ systems when they reach a point of uh, extreme failure. Intensivists are like uh, have multidisciplinary uh, expertise so that they are able to take care of multiple organs and probably they also understand like beyond first order effects, uh, yes. like, you know, what will this lead to? How will this affect other organs? The interplay... Uh, exactly in a complex okay got it got that's it. that's the the reason why that expertise is needed is because uh, now if you only had uh, uh, when when your body starts going into this extreme end of organ failure there's an interplay of multi organs at that point in time so so if you have a, a kidney specialist doctor he can help you with the kidney but he will won't be able to help you with if the patient has kidney failure and is on a ventilator and also has low blood pressure and there's a heart problem. And similarly, a cardiologist won't be able to help you with the kidney or with the lung. So the intensivist is a multidisciplinary person that takes care of all of those and will call on a specialist as and when the, the need for that specialist is there. Okay, got it. Okay, okay. So uh, what, uh, what you were offering to that hospital was uh, expertise on call? Yes. Okay. So it was purely like a service offering. There was no product in it as such, like purely as consulting on call kind of a. So also uh, what we realized is that this is the, the, the solution cannot be a on call solution, right? You can't wait for uh, uh, the nurse or the surgeon at that hospital to identify the problem that's going to happen. Because again, he's not a specialist in, uh, ICU care, right? So, so if you're going to wait for that person to uh, alert you, it's probably already uh, too, late. too late, right? Right. So, so the so whatever solution that you bring forth here needs to address that problem. So you need to be able to preempt these problems very often, and uh, you can't wait for the surgeon to identify the problem. You could perhaps still help him, but your 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 help will be limited as opposed to you having been available 24 7 preempting the problem and and addressing it even before it happens so so that was w one thing that we realized that this can't be an on-call service right so we literally need to be a part of this icu system 24 7 right so so there was no product at that point um so so we were like see uh, you know for us to do this uh the 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 and and for us to do this at scale we'll have to build uh, the the technology that would allow us to do this uh, and we don't have that technology at that point in time so we're just going to hack whatever we can together to to make it work for this this pilot which obviously won't work if we need to do it for 10 hospitals but for one hospital it it, it we can still do this right so so we uh you know we we spent a lot of time actually in uh you know identifying 
the so so we had seen a few of these solutions work in the United States. So in, in the US, you had um, a, a large multinational player that had made the solution, and and the components of the solution included a high definition video camera, uh, you know, a platform that had this data coming through uh, uh, on a continuous basis, allowing doctors to to interact. So we knew we needed a high definition video camera, and uh, uh, but uh, and and we had seen the cameras that were being used in the US. So we were like, okay, let's let's see if. Uh, we can use those, and very quickly we realize that there's no way that we can use that, right? The the cost of that camera was like just there's no way that we can put it in this hospital. So so we spent a few weeks just you know in uh, in in Bangalore there's a, a SP road there's a road where you have a lot of electronic stores, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so we were just there you know doing trials on different cameras. What can we find? So you know you go there. Uh, the leap and I were like, okay, I want to trial this, trial this, trial. This. So, so we spent we spent a couple of weeks actually just 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 trialing all the different cameras, understanding what capability which has, you know, uh, does it have? Um, so we you, we wanted an IP camera, we wanted a pan tilt zoom camera, we wanted a certain amount of uh, you know uh, zoom capability of the of the camera, uh, many things. Uh, then you know we we. We had to decide: Is it are we going to use an indoor camera, outdoor camera? What are the features of the indoor camera? But then, the indoor cameras are not really working. So perhaps maybe we should use an outdoor camera. It will be better suited for this. Uh, so we we uh, at the end of it identified: Okay, this one makes sense. We can use this. Uh, we needed a technology platform hmm. to get the data, like like the readings. The yes, yes. Hmm. To get hmm. the data uh, again, we didn't have a technology platform, so we just. Uh, 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 initially, we were uh, we we used an Excel sheet, uh, you know, and uh, and uh, we we brought on board one of our team members to just keep inputting data on the Excel sheet. Then we realized that you know what, Excel is not a very good collaborative tool. So we're like, let's switch this to Google Sheets. Uh, it's it's better here since there are multiple people here. So so then we switched it to Google Sheets. And again, even in that that data sheet itself, we, you know, what is the data that we want? How do we structure it in the best way for us to get that? So constant iterations on that. So we were just using Google Sheets. Then we were like, okay, let's just use Google Sheets. Get this data here. Uh, you know, get it in a printable format so that we can print it for the bedside team. Let's get the camera. The camera that allows us to do what we need to do let's use people where we don't have the technology to to help us um and uh, so that's that's how we we got started but uh at the end of the day let's remember the problem the, the problem is that there's no intensivist there and so whatever it needs to ensure that and 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 at that point i'm dilip and i were the intensivist that we're there and addressing the problems that that need to be done, right? So, so that's how it started. So we were there twenty four seven available. So between the two of us, we split days and nights, um, and uh, and we had you know our team members inputting data on this. We were giving recommendations. We were talking to the nurses and the doctors. They're telling them what needs to be done, uh, preempting a lot of situations. So there were m- many. You know, there was there was uh, one of the early cases I I remember was a case of a patient that had uh, that he had done a surgery on and post surgery had a problem with the, the heart rate of that patient, right? So so he's like 
hey, you know, this is a problem. So we need to get an ECG. We need to interpret the ECG. We need to tell him this is the medication that needs to be given. This is what needs to be followed in like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. We are following. We are watching. So we'll tell you as things change what needs to be done. Uh, and uh, and so he was like, yeah, this I would never have been able to do this. Right. So and, and this was done uh, like uh, remotely, like this is all done remotely. Okay. This was all done remotely, right? So, so this was all done remotely, and uh, and so that's where he saw the 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 value of the solution was that his problem was being solved. His problem was that he didn't have an intensivist, and uh, as a result, he could not do these surgeries. And if these patients had these complications, he was out of his depth, and uh, so that problem was solved. Now he concentrated on doing surgeries doing more surgeries, you know, being able to take care of the patients that previously he couldn't. And we were taking care of all of these issues. Uh, so it was just, uh, you know, uh, from a technology and product standpoint, it was a hacky way that we put it together. But right, right. he got what he needed. Yeah, I mean, it worked. Like, uh, So, like, essentially, what an intensivist needs to do his job is a lot of data, right? To look, keep yes. looking at data and then... Uh, based on the data, give recommendation and then see how that recommendation changed the data. There's data, there's there's an aspect of, uh, you know, uh, uh, we spent a lot of time on the camera part because that's also pretty key. Uh, there's the data component, but, but you also want to be able to see the patient. You want to be able to see, you know, for example, what is the breathing pattern of the patient? I, I would say uh, uh, pretty much every doctor is at some point in time. Right. Uh, I would say that all doctors uh, should be data driven. Um, there's components of uh, of healthcare that are beyond data. Right. Uh, understanding, uh, you know, the the psychosocial uh, parts of healthcare delivery, communication, understanding the value system of the patient, what they would want, communicating to them, addressing, being empathetic. These are the parts that doctors should spend more time on. And less time on the data. There's enough. Uh, there are better ways that data can be processed than a, than the the human brain, right? So I, I think uh, if you were to ask me, I think doctors should spend more time on communication, on 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 understanding and empathizing, and and being able to address those aspects, and uh, and utilize all the help they can get with the data. So I, I see the long term play here. You know uh, what I see as a the long term play here is that you would increasingly productize the information, how it flows to you. So like instead of a man entering on a spreadsheet, it would become IoT enabled devices uh, so that the information reaches you more seamlessly, more real time, no delays in that. Uh, instead of having a nurse check the temperature, it could be a wearable uh, somebody is wearing a device which is giving you real-time temperature. So, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and, and I mean, there are more and more innovations happening in wearables. So, uh, and then you could have uh, like all of that data. Uh, initially, there would be like manual supervision and recommendation, but then that could feed a machine learning algorithm so that a lot of these recommendations are auto-suggested by your algorithm. Uh, even for the visual stuff, you could have like vision learning algorithms uh, there, which automatically raise a red flag when it seems like something could go bad. Yeah. So, so I, I see that long-term play. So tell me, like, is that the long-term play which you have in mind or? 
Yes, yes, that is that is the way that this needs to go. Uh, uh, I, I think uh, uh, again, just from my experience as a, a doctor, as a clinician, right, just uh, as an intensivist as well, I would say that you know, if, when I went and saw a patient, uh, I s- probably spent a majority of my time uh, doing things that a machine could do better than me, right? And and less time on doing things that perhaps a machine could not do better than me, right? Uh, and and that does not lead to uh, ideal, uh, you know, efficiency or productivity. But I would say more importantly, I don't think that that's in the best interest. That's not the most patient centric way to to solve the problem. Uh, and um, and so so I think uh, just to you know uh, to your point, uh, the way that we see this. Uh, progressing is, of course, more pervasive automation uh, of the entire uh, data gathering part. You know, so so that's the there's one component of the first component of it would be to digitize all the data, right? Uh, and it could be uh, it 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 could be uh, readings from a machine, or it could be video. Or you uh, so so one is the, the digitization component, and the second is just building the intelligence on digitized data that you have. Right and uh, and uh, best enabling the the clinician, uh, the doctor to to then uh, you know be able to provide the the best care to the patient and and spend more time on on maybe communicating and talking and explaining things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, uh, how far along are you on this journey? Like, you know, what? what so, from that first version of uh, a human being entering data on a Google Sheet, you know, tell me about that evolution. Yeah. So, uh, so we did that, uh, and I think even for hospital number two and three, we were still on the Google Sheets. Of course, the even you know, then you keep putting in. Uh, you know, more and more intelligence as much as you can into the Google Sheet as well. But still, there's only so much you can do. And it was clear that, hey, you know what? Okay, we're running out here uh, of, of what we can do here. So let's do what we had always planned to do, which is start putting the the, pl- the platform together. So And so far, this was no external funding, like just built on your savings and probably the subscription which you are charging. I, I guess it would have been a monthly... Yes. Uh, fees kind of a yes okay and was that enough to uh, leave some money to reinvest or that monthly fees or did it all go into operational no 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 it, it, it still required us to to put in more uh, than than what that could sustain no it it, it, it would not um, so uh, so Dilip and I used to do some uh, consulting work in our individual capacity for hospitals in the US and uh, so that was what allowed us to you know, investing into uh, what we're doing here, and uh, so then we um, uh, then we we start moving towards building the the technology, and uh, so we brought on board uh, another colleague of ours. Well, not a colleague of ours, but his name is also Dhruv. He's a colleague now. He wasn't there, and uh, he came in to lead our engineering. He was also an engineer who was in the U.S. had spent a long time, you know, working at. Um, a large healthcare technology company that built that built EMR software called Epic Systems in the United States, and he had uh, uh, you know moved back to India and was trying to figure out what he wants to do next. So we brought him on board to lead our engineering, and then he started building his team, 
And uh, working with him, we started putting together uh, our platform, which was called Radar. Okay. So what you built was purely a software thing or was it a software-hardware combination? Purely, purely software. Okay. But but how do you uh, get data from uh, the machines? Like say there's a monitor there. Do they give data uh, or is it just the paper that comes out of it? Like, you know, I, I don't know yet how modern these devices are in ICUs, whether it comes out as a bits and bytes or it comes out as a visual or a printout. So uh, depending on the ICUs, uh, that determines how uh, modern these are. There are the, the, the newer devices can actually give you data. So if you can, uh, and there are standards by which, you know, data is, is uh, uh, com- comes out of the, the devices. And, uh, and so they are interoperable. And so if you build a platform that, that can speak to those devices, you can get the data. But uh, in India, uh, very few hospitals have those type of devices. So majority of the devices are, you know, the hospital owner is not really when he goes to buy a device, he's not like, you know, give me an interoperable device that is compatible with standards. He's like, yeah, just just get me a device. It could be a third hand, you know, Chinese made or, you know, made somewhere else where there's there's no way that you can get data out of that. Uh, so then there's different ways in which you need to get uh, data out of that. So um, we we started using computer vision to get that data. So we knew that visual existed so, and, and we had these high definition video cameras that, that we were utilizing. And so we we're like, you know, if we can't, if this is not an interoperable device, we still need that data. We still need to digitize this. So we'll just go this route. And uh, at the end of the day, I need that data to be able to uh, help. How I get that data is I, I need to figure it out. Mm. So just point a camera at the ECG monitor and that data then gets converted into bits and bytes uh, through vision learning. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Okay. Okay. So these were all, again, these were all things that, that we did because so so when we were building the, the platform and, and of course, you know, we spoke to all the, the multinational folks that were building platforms uh, and they were like, yeah, you know, if it's not an impro- interoperable device, you can't do anything. I mean, like, yeah, uh, you you can't get it that way, so you need to get it some other way, right? But um, I I think it was, uh, you know, th- th- that's the I, I guess that's the advantage of actually being on the ground, understanding the problem and and solving it there. Because if you have an engineer who is building a solution for a multinational company who does not understand that ninety percent of the devices are not interoperable, he's not really going to consider any solution other than uh, a solution that knows in the us all the hospitals have interoperable devices so you don't have to consider any other solution right so you just unveil that and uh, so so then when you know you talk to the guy who's selling you this who he tells you that yeah but there's no other way you can't do it in this hospital and you're like i don't i don't think your engineer has ever been to a hospital that he's that you're selling the solution in right so so maybe you should start with that right so uh as, but these were all the things that we realized. But I, I guess these were the advantages that we had as uh, you know startups that were intimately involved and understood the problem statement, uh, and uh, going up against guys that had you know a brand and and a sales force that you can't can't compete with. Mm. So radar was essentially a platform where the data would come in, it would get organized, and 
uh, they would uh, and it would go into dashboards so that you can see real time every patient has a dashboard where you can see all the data about that patient in a standardized format and then take decisions quickly and uh, and does it also now uh, do like intelligent recommendations like you know does it give you a red flag or stuff like that has that started yes it has so i, I, I like i said you know the first component is to to digitize get the data in uh, a digital format and uh, then once you got the data then you start building intelligence on that right so uh, that's where we are and and that's something that i guess we will never stop doing uh, because you can always get more intelligent and but yes the we have started now has has moved to a point where it's uh, not just a data collection and a data a dashboard that shows you the data that's collected but now has started intelligently processing the data to either improve the quality or improve your efficiency or improve your experience uh, all, all of those okay you would probably also have to i mean to make it intelligent you would have to feed it with so much stuff no like the knowledge base it's like what you learn as a doctor over 10 years or 15 years of education and there is so much like may, maybe it would need to know every medicine which exists and what is the symptom of each medicine and what is the medicine good for and when should it not be given and when can a combination of two medicines work which combination does not work i mean how, how do you do this like all of those all of those all of those things and more right all the things that you learned as an intensivist like if there is a certain uh, uh disease and you know what's what's the protocol that you need to follow for this disease you know so so we've built in like you know protocols for 50 diseases now and we'll we'll keep adding to that right so we we'll, we'll keep adding to that but, but tell me the process you went about in terms of creating this knowledge base like was it like hiring a doctor and then putting it down on a word document first and then that word document getting well the, the advantage was that like uh, both of us were already doctors and uh, so at some point in time uh, you know we we also had to divide our work and so so dilip took the lead on on the product part of it right and uh, and uh, he is one of the best intensivists in the world so nobody better to be working on it than than him and uh, so so he took the lead on that like putting in place like what data needs to be there everything from medications to which are the protocols and of course by then we had uh, we had brought on other members of the team other intensivists and other doctors and and uh, among our team as well you know the different people were interested in different things some people were interested in technology so the folks that were interested in technology amongst our doc people we were like okay you know you guys will work with the technology team uh and the leap in 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 putting this together so uh, everything from list of medications to like i was telling you the which are the diseases right that we're encountering in the icu so what's the protocol what's the evidence for that then making uh protocols for that but not only doing it so doing it in the technology part is fine but you still want to make it a way that is you know makes sense to the nurse or the doctor who may not know as much as you to be able to utilize this right so so then putting explaining that protocol to uh, putting on the platform the explanation for each protocol that you know this is the protocol this is how it's being followed this is step 1 you know if the patient's blood glucose is so much this is what we do if it's not this is what we do 
this is why we do it this is the evidence for why we're doing this so you know just putting this sort of uh, help modules on so that even a junior doctor who is at the hospital end can see acha this is why it is you know so there for for each uh, and everything um, that's uh, that's and that's one one component of it uh, then it would be things like okay you need to document so doctors need to uh, document everything that you're doing right so uh, and one of the challenges with adoption of um, uh, electronic records in the healthcare space has been generally that you know documentation gets so onerous that it you know starts taking away and and adding more work to the clinicians then actually making it easier so how do you uh, build a documentation system that would not be so onerous right so we started uh, what we started doing was let's automate a majority of the documentation that the hospital needs the the doctor needs to do which he doesn't really need him. You, you, you can take information from the patient, this patient's chart and, and automate all these components. So so he just needs to put his input, which may be a couple of lines, maybe edit a couple of things based on his judgment. But he does not need to sit and, and write out or type out all these things, which is what's making him not take on this platform, right? So, so let's let's do that. And, uh, and so we know what the, in an ICU... What is the documentation that's required? Which are the parts that you know we can automate just by the data that we have? And so, so this that was another uh, part of it. So these are some of the things that that we were doing for nurses. You know, uh, so uh, nurses are an essential component of healthcare delivery, and even in the ICU, right? Uh, they are the ones that are actually there at the bedside. 24-7 implementing the things that need to be done, picking up things, making sure, assessing things. And uh, the the challenge with having them move to a digitization has also been similar that, you know, the documentation gets so onerous, there's double documentation, etc. And uh, and so they're just very comfortable with just writing things down. So if you ever go to a hospital, you'll see that the nurse will always be writing things down, maybe the blood pressure, maybe the heart rate, all of those things. So, so we wanted to ensure that we made it easier for the nurses as well, right? So, uh, so of course, one was to digitize the data that is from the the devices, uh, which previously they would be writing down. So, if they didn't have to write that down, then it would be much easier. But even things like you know a lab report will come from somewhere else from outside, and then they need to write down everything. So uh, we we wanted the data from that lab report. So what we started, we started, we built modules that would allow the nurse to just take a picture of the lab report and just OCR and convert that automatically onto the platform. Right? So just these just easy workable things that just made the life of the people using technology easier was uh, was what would eventually determine whether they adopted it or not. Right. So I, I think uh, that's the that's the route that that we took it, and uh, we'd seen a, a lot of things that had just been engineered to a point of not being practically very usable, right, or, or very friendly to use, and uh, so we wanted to avoid those those aspects of things. So these were some of the things that you know we started building on the platform just to 
enable ensure the user experience is better adoption gets better hmm. okay okay cool so uh, like broadly there were two things that you were fixing at the icu like on floor so to say uh, one was uh, data entry so that the the human beings on the floor don't need to do too much of data entry simplifying that and the second is giving them uh, easy to follow instructions like uh, you know sops and stuff like that which helps them a to uh, know what to do next b if they need to communicate why they're doing it then that also you know like makes their life easy like telling the patient why they're doing something or deciding what to do next so so these are the two things which you're building and is it through a mobile app or is it a, a on the laptop like what is used typically uh, at the icu it it is a laptop but it has a, 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 a there is a mobile app there's a web app and there's a, a tablet version of it as well so uh, different settings it, uh, some places uh, are you know lean more towards mobile some places where they have some amount of infrastructure uh, they already have some laptops so there's a web app that they can use some places mobility is is of uh, the you know is critical they use tablets so so we've sort of built the solution to be agnostic from that's that point yeah uh i just say you know to your to your point that what you said is right but i i just sort of stress the importance here that what we were doing was a a, a pretty big sort of change management in these icus right so there's a huge huge component of process here and right? everything from how you communicate you know how you respond when there's an emergency uh, you know how do you people are busy people are not used to something so so you just need to to work on the process of how are you going to make this seamless and effective as well so so it requires training of nurses you know so we would we give them like weekly training when we onboard them we we train them uh, for the doctors we will conduct sessions you know if there's some uh, you, uh, for example if there's uh, if there's some unforeseen uh, or unexpected uh, outcome of a patient we would conduct a, a review of that and understand all the processes that perhaps didn't go the way that they should give recommendations to the hospital to the management to the administration so uh, outside of just the, the technology and having the availability of a doctor uh, i think what people fail to realize is that this there's actually a huge process change that needs to take place that would enable a completely new system and a new way of working to come in and and uh, replace the Uh, old and conventional way right and so that requires uh, a lot of process changes a lot of you know people skills and 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 a lot of interaction to take place and and so uh, i i think that's what we are able to also bring which which only just somebody who just builds technology and just give somebody okay if i build this app and you know i've given you this app now you take it and run will not be able to take it and run uh, it's, it's just not going to be it's just not going to happen because the, it's it's a pretty complex system you know it's operationally complex and icu uh, and uh, um, it's the, it's been functioning in a in a way 
that's not the best way, but it's been functioning like that for years and decades, perhaps. And so if you're going to upend that system, then you need to build an entire change management process that will take a few months along with the technology and the access of the doctors remotely to do that. Mm, you're right. Got it. Okay. So um, when you deploy today, what is part of that deployment package? Do you also deploy people uh, or do you deploy, uh, obviously you deploy the product and you do that integration so that the data comes to your central uh, uh, hub and, uh, but do you also deploy people or uh, the people are more consultative in nature where they come in for the trainings for uh, educational purposes and stuff like that? So, no, we don't deploy people on the ground. Uh, but as part of our onboarding, when we initially deploy, we have a team that goes there uh, consisting of some of our nurses, some of our doctors, some of our IT folks, uh, all of them uh, that uh, work with the team there, understand, you know, what their uh, existing uh, situation is, what their existing problems are, and then sort of help onboard them onto how the system will help address them. So there'll be training sessions. Uh, there's Since it's a new system and there are a lot of doctors in place, so our, our doctor will go and talk to the doctors, you know, build rapport with them, explain to them how the system is going to help them. They, they may all be have you know different use cases in which this is going to help them so so there's a there's a a, a few day process that the, which uh, the the entire onboarding uh, process involves all of these things to happen right because and, and again th- these are things that that we've learned over a period of time that uh, if you're going to set this up for success then you want to do all of these things and, and get all of these things in order and then once you've done that then we're only remote there and then all the support that we provide is uh, is remotely, so including the trainings, including all of those things. And uh, uh, sometimes uh, we would uh, we uh, sometimes we'd send a team back maybe a few months or a, a year later. You know, if the, if there's some new change that's happened in the hospital or or you know the deployments being increased or you know there's been a huge change in the the people that were there initially to who are there now. So some of these things, of course, we're we're, uh, able to on the fly understand the problem and and solve for that. Wouldn't you get better at outcomes by also deploying people? Because then, you know, as you said, change management is a big challenge. So if you have people on your payroll who are on the floor, so to say, it would, uh, I mean, change management would happen uh, relatively uh, I mean, there'd be less resistance to change because that person is trained by you on your payroll, whereas someone who's on the hospital payroll may discount some of the things you're saying. You're not his boss or her boss, so to say. So, yeah, no, you're 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 right. I think uh, that's uh, certainly something that we've uh, we've considered uh, uh, a few times uh, over the last few years, and maybe something that we may consider again and maybe something that we may even do um we we uh we you know we we started uh to to address this uh see that the, the challenge is always people right uh, I, I think that's that's always the the challenge and then we're trying to be able to provide this to anywhere wherever they are so so our focus remains on how can we best do this without having to put people on the ground because that's always going to be the limitation. Uh, 
that that does not mean that that's not something that we may consider doing. But I'm I'm just telling you that we're still trying to build a system and a solution that would best allow us for for us to do that. Uh, towards doing that, we've you know uh, started six month courses for uh, our our partner hospital, the the nurses on the ground there, where it's a it's a uh, it's like a uh, certification or something like that. It's actually a certification course that that we we, we created along with a um, university here in Bangalore uh, called IIHMR, and it's a integrated digital intensive care management six month course that that we provide for them. These are all again uh, efforts of ours to to enable people locally to upskill them to for them to understand what this takes um and and if that requires us to go there and, and do that in person or re, through the course or through other ways or through remotely we do all of them and we'll we'll continue to continue to uh do what it takes to get the job done mm, got it okay okay so uh, you know let uh, let's like also talk some numbers like what are the number of places you're currently deployed at and uh, like what kind of revenue are you currently doing tell me some stuff like that so we're uh, we're deployed at um, uh, about 40 hospitals across the country today in uh, we're in about 15 states uh, uh, of the country where as far as we have a hospital in Leh, Ladakh, uh, wow. we have a hospital in Kerala, we have a hospital in, in, in Assam, we have a hospital in Gujarat, so uh, pretty much four, four corners of the country and, and in between as well. So that's, uh, we've taken care of about uh, over 30,000 critically ill patients since we started, uh, having shown a significantly improved uh, out uh, having shown in significantly improved outcomes in many, if not most, of these hospitals over that period of time. What do you charge? Like, what is the pricing like? I, I won't go into like too much of the specifics, but uh, just to give you a sense, um, see, we uh, we uh, do. There's a one-time setup fee where you know we go install, onboard, train, etc., all of that, and then there's a monthly recurring charge which is is typically linked uh, to what the 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 utilization or the capacity utilization of the hospital is so that will be like per bed kind of a the monthly charge yeah 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 yeah, yeah. some some something like that and uh, also uh, you know the goal of this was to make this cost effective as well you know you just can't provide access and quality here because if it's not cost effective then you may as well set up a Manipal hospital in that location, right? Um, so, uh, so, so it has to be cost effective, and uh, we are significantly, significantly uh, more cost effective than if these people had to hire a team of intensivists, or you know, even if they could find that team of intensivists. In many of these places, you won't even have them. But, but even if you could find these uh, places, you, you we would be much more uh, cost effective and and i think our goal has been to see the the current construct of uh, you know uh, if if you had to uh, provide a healthcare uh, a quality healthcare in the way that like a cleveland clinic did it or a manipal did it uh, to everybody in the country today 
uh, I don't think there's en- enough money in the world to, to do that, right? So, uh, so, so the goal is that if you want to be able to provide that quality of care, can you do it in a way that does not require you to spend so much money? And and that's what we're trying to do here. And that's what we're saying is that you know if you use these, if you use this model of technology augmented care, we'll be able to provide you know similar, maybe better, but at least much better than the existing uh, care that there is, without having to incur much much higher costs, which traditionally the the centers that deliver high quality care uh, require you, you just have to pay that much because that's how much it costs them for for like say a 10 bedded icu would it cost equivalent of like say one person's salary one doctor's salary like on a monthly basis it would probably cost less okay mm. yeah. got it right mm. and to run a 10 bed icu uh 24 7 you'd need more than yeah, you need more than one person, right, right, right. right. So you need a team of guys, mm-hmm. and uh, so so we're we're pretty cost effective uh, there. And what kind of hospitals uh, uh, buy this? Like, um, uh, I mean, you know, uh, I'm sure uh, th- there is always a question that why should I spend on this? So so you know, what kind of hospitals are willing to spend? Like, what is what what do you find in your yeah, so uh, different different sort of uh, you know customer segments uh, that you find. Uh, of course, there are the ones that are like, hey, uh, you know, I I want to improve quality. How can I improve quality of care? Uh, uh, you know, they they aspire to be the best community hospitals in their communities, and and they they want to find out how they can do that better. Uh, so that's one segment of hospitals, which is uh, you know which. Uh, I would call like those are the early adopters. If you can identify them, they 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 will see value in what you're doing it, and will will do that. Uh, then, of course, uh, you know, like we were discussing, then there are hospitals that that have a problem already, right? So so that that are not able to optimally utilize all the services, all the physical infrastructure that they've invested in uh, because of the shortage of expertise. So they're like, hey, you know what? If I have this solution. This this will help me, right? So 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 this will just help me from that standpoint. So that's that. So if I had to break down the 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 segments of hospitals, so there would be the small and medium sized hospitals, you know, that are uh, you know fifty to hundred and fifty bed hospitals. These could be located uh, if they are in an urban location. They will be smaller, you know, 50, thirty to fifty beds. If they are uh, in a uh, you know, a tier two or tier three city, it could be anywhere from 50 to 150 beds. Uh, now, these are hospitals that have already invested in the physical infrastructure. So they've reached a scale in terms of their size where they, they're they like, you know, we've got 50 beds. I already have a few ventilators. I have a few ICU beds. You know, I've, I've got a 24-7 laboratory. I've got a CT scan. I've got you know, 24-7 pharmacy, because that's what you need to do to any way to get to a 50-bed size. But I'm not able to optimally utilize all these. I'm not able to, uh, you know, provide the confidence to my consultant doctors to send patients here or admit patients in this ICU because I don't have that expertise available, right? So that's one, one segment of hospitals that, that, uh, that we are able to come in and be like, okay, you know, this is what we've got and 
uh, we are able to provide you that quality of care because you know we we have uh, a, one of the best intensivist teams in the country which you will not perhaps get access to where you're located and if you were to get access to that level of talent it would probably be cost prohibitive for you to hire them to manage you right so that's one segment uh, uh, the other segment of hospitals is the enterprise segment of hospitals that uh, have their own icus and have their own intensivists there but uh, uh, you know they either so so it may be a chain of hospitals where they have intensivists in one location but not in the other or even within their own uh, even within one large hospital they may have intensivists in one unit and may, they may not have the same in the other so so they want to optimize their own icu network so so they don't need our intensivists but they want our technology uh, to to for their own team to be able to utilize so those are that's the other segment of enterprise hospital that would be like a different type of offering like with a separate pricing and that's that's a software that's mm. a software got it okay 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 and uh, what is your revenue split between this pure software offering versus software plus service offering we are uh, uh, we're heavily still into the software plus service offering 90% 90% is still the service plus software offering because uh, again what we found at least in india is that people still need the the, the service right? we've not reached a point where that's a much bigger problem to solve yeah so what's the roadmap for like say 2025 i think uh, our our vision is to to build a uh, so so let me tell you what what my take on uh, this healthcare delivery is is going to be right and i i had hinted at at some of these things um uh, earlier to you as well uh, in the sense that uh, the the current healthcare delivery system does not address the you know your your uh, does not provide for access to high quality care everywhere right and and also the the construct of hospitals will move towards providing more high acuity care because lower acuity care perhaps does not merit being in a hospital and perhaps a hospital is not the best place to be uh so in this construct as hospitals move towards providing more high acuity care uh there will be a move towards virtualization of some of the so the the expertise and the services the hospitals need because it's not going to be possible for the hospitals to have all of the expertise in every field that they need it wide high acuity care all the time they need it and so our goal is to to build a virtual hospital where we can be the virtual backbone for hospitals wherever they're located and provide them with the technology and the services and the support that they need to be able to manage optimally the patients in their communities right and and our goal is to build this virtual hospital at a global scale so so we we uh, we believe that this problem statement is not unique to india is but is one that is prevalent world over and and if we're going to address this uh, you know uh, address access to uh, quality care for all we'll have to move towards a model that that allows for virtualization of care to take place and so we want to be at the forefront of this uh, uh this this virtual hospital that we're creating and so over the next few years 2025 uh, our our goal would be to 
to continue to expand uh, our presence here in India uh, and uh, also to to grow in, in you know to some of our neighboring places you know southeast asia the middle east other parts of the subcontinent and then eventually over a period of time uh, even more west than that right so so that's how we see this and and uh, in doing this we will provide the the technology to the partners that need the technology to be able to provide this 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 care uh, in in this virtual manner to their patients and uh, provide the services where the services are needed uh, are you looking to go beyond just icu management to like uh, everything else also like like the opd or the emr and no no so we won't go to the opd space because like i was telling you we want to stay in the high acuity space right so so the opd space there are already plenty of folks and and that's not the space that we're going to go into but uh, when you have uh patients that are in hospitals admitted in hospitals as inpatients uh there are uh, other requirements so uh, icu space uh, we are going into the neonatal space so again this is a huge shortage you know you've got babies being born that need you know uh, uh, neonatal icus uh, and there's not nearly enough expertise there pediatric icus but when when you're admitted in a hospital Uh, ICU very often you need the services of a nephrologist sometimes you need the services of a cardiologist so so the entire spectrum so you know where we're going to be going towards uh, creating a, a virtual hospital where the hospital we can provide all of the services that patients who are have high acuity care are admitted in hospitals need the support that's the direction post operative care that you're talking about right like that you would post operative post trauma post uh, you know uh, icu care just if you have a bad pneumonia you're on a ventilator um, all of this it covers the spectrum but, but you would not be looking at like the the pre operative stuff and the actual like like providing technology around that like from when someone gets admitted till the procedure is done till he gets discharged like so i think uh, uh the 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 technology of course will 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 be there right so so the technology will span the uh, the journey of the patient in this uh in the facility right so so that that technology backbone we will bring or we will integrate with uh, if there is already some technology existing for some certain parts of it uh what we won't be in is we won't be in like opd space where you know you have a cold and a cough and you're looking for a doctor call a doctor sort of that's not the space that we got it okay amazing if you like the founder thesis podcast then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing technology career advice books and drama visit the podium.in that is t h e p o d i u m . i n for a complete list of all our shows Before we end the episode I want to share a bit about my journey as a podcaster. I started podcasting in 2020 and in the last 2 years I've had the opportunity to interview more than 250 founders who are shaping India's future across sectors. If you also want to speak to the best minds in your field and build an enviable network then you must consider becoming a podcaster. and the first step to becoming a podcaster starts with zencaster which takes care of all the nuts and bolts of podcasting from remote recording to editing to distribution and finally monetization 
If you are planning to check out the platform, then please show your support for the Founder Thesis podcast by using this link, zen.ai slash founder thesis. That's zen.ai slash founder thesis.